Welcome to episode 29 of EIU Panthers podcast. I'm your host, Rich Moser. On this week's episode, we visit with EIU's newly hired Director of Athletic Development, Mike Murray, as he transitions into the role on an interim basis while concluding his work as a development officer in the EIU Office of Advancement and EIU Foundation. Today, we talked to Murray about his time as a student athlete, his first exposure to intercollegiate athletics, his connections to Charleston and EIU athletics, and some of the projects he has been able to help facilitate during his time working for the university. Like this episode of EIU Panthers podcast and want to hear more? Then simply search and like EIU Panthers podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio podcasts. EIU Panthers podcast are brought to you by Consolidated Communications. Want to learn more about the future of broadband for your home or business? Then visit consolidated.com to learn more today. Consolidated Communications is a proud sponsor of Eastern Illinois Athletics. This week in EIU Athletics, the Panthers men's and women's swim teams will each hold a dual meet at Padovan Pool, while EIU basketball, volleyball, track, men's soccer, and tennis will all be on the road for competition. The EIU football, softball, and baseball seasons are slated to begin next week with action on the road, and women's soccer starts play the first week in March. For the latest schedule updates, scores, and news about Eastern Illinois athletics, be sure to visit us online at eiupanthers.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at EIU underscore Panthers. Now to this week's episode of EIU Panthers podcast with EIU's new director of athletic development, Mike Murray. And welcome to another edition of EIU Panthers Podcast. We're joined this week by one of the newest employees with Eastern Illinois Athletics, Mike Murray. Mike joins us in as the Director of Development and not new to the university by any means. Mike slides over, had worked for the Director Office of Development and the Foundation. So welcome aboard to Athletics, Mike. Thank you, Rich. Great to be here. And uh, uh, you may or may not know that my working career started in intercollegiate athletics. Uh, way back when. I've been around for a while and um, it's nice to come full circle to athletics right now and I, I visualize this as being kind of the, the roundup for me coming down the stretch. Now we're going to talk about a lot of your experiences today but also a former college athlete and played at Iowa State, played basketball there. I guess how, how did that experience go and we're not going to age you there by any chance Mike and talk about the errors errors of basketball that that you played in but basketball definitely yeah has a, a different game now than maybe it was back then no kidding uh it's interesting I've had this conversation with a couple people just recently coincidentally um when I played basketball at Iowa State and this will give some dating to it okay. but that's just fine <laughs> um we actually had a no dunk rule for a period of a couple of years when, when I played at Iowa State. Not that it affected me, I'm a six okay. foot guard, yeah. but nonetheless, uh, that was a unique experience. And in addition to that, it was a period of time when freshmen were not eligible to play uh, varsity basketball at the college level. I mean, how, how huge has the change been since then? You get yeah. the one and doneers now, and uh, it's just phenomenal. But yeah, it was a different era when I played at Iowa State years ago. Now, as, as a co- former college athlete, is that what gave you some, some inclination to try to get into college athletics? I know you, you mentioned here that, that you kind of got your, your start professionally working in college athletics, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, out on the West Coast. Absolutely. 
I'm a lawyer by education. I attended Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri. My family home is in northern Illinois. I grew up there, and ancestors came there years and years ago. Um, I decided to go to Iowa State as a result of uh, two things. One, wanting to play basketball, which I was able to do at, at Iowa State. And the second was my family was moving to Iowa just about the same time I was enrolling at, in college. Because I grew up, well, I shouldn't say grew up, but my high school years were all here in Charleston, Illinois. Okay. So I went on to, to Iowa State to play, and um, it did impact my thinking relative to a career. Um, my mother kind of wanted me to go to law school, so I acquiesced and, and did that. But once I finished, I pursued what I thought was my heart and soul passion, and that was intercollegiate athletic administration. At that point in time, when I finished law school, I moved to actually Arizona for just a matter of months, thinking I was going to settle in, in Arizona. I knew a couple people there. I talked to folks at the University of Arizona and also Arizona State University about possible work in intercollegiate athletics. In fact, I even looked at the possibility of, of uh, serving as a graduate assistant uh, at Northern Arizona University for the basketball coach. Okay. Um, and, and that, I mean, it didn't materialize. And ultimately, after summer months in, in Arizona, um, moved on to San Diego. My, my wife at that time had been offered a position at UC San Diego in, in La Jolla, California. And so we thought, okay, this, this makes sense. Let's just move. And mm -hmm. we did. And I started looking around at options uh, for me to pursue my interest in college athletic administration. And San Diego State provided that opportunity. So that's where it all began uh, for me in terms of my intercollegiate athletic career. But playing basketball in, in, in college and in high school, having been sports-oriented for most of my life, it was a natural thing for me to pursue. Now, for you, I know gonna, the role you're going to be in here in athletics and the role you've been at with the university is fundraising and development, and that's all about building relationships. For you, did that, that kind of start when you were in collegiate yeah. athletics, or is that something you kind of gradually learned as you moved out of college athletics and moved in to the professional sure. world where we'll talk about in a little while you were a long-time yeah. fundraiser for yeah. several different organizations? Yeah. Well, and what you just said is, is the key to my answer to your question. When I began working in intercollegiate athletics, it was a total of about seven or eight years uh, after I finished law school, and then moved on uh, into the private sector. I was basically recruited by an individual that I'd gotten to know when I was at UC Berkeley, University of California, in, in their athletic program. And recruited me into the private sector to work uh, uh, in, in his company as, as a, uh, ultimately I was, became a vice president of operations for a company called KP Graphics. That was on the West Coast too. Now, from there, during that time, I got involved with community activities and I lived in Salem, Oregon at okay. that point. And a lot of the community activities that I was involved with had some component that required fundraising. And I enjoyed that. Um, I also did part-time work for a not-for-profit organization in Salem, Oregon, helping them in a variety of ways, including raising money for, for their various programs and, and projects. Now, 
I didn't really get into a formal development or fundraising role until coming back here, just uh, while I moved back to the Charleston area. It's been 25 years now uh, since I moved back to this area, and I was with the Carl Foundation Hospital and Clinic Organization for a number of years, and that wasn't so much a, a fundraising position. That was a, a management, a director role, and I did volunteer work in the community, again, with a fair amount of fundraising. Um, I, got a, I got familiar with Eastern Illinois University during that time period. My wife is a graduate of, mm -hmm. of Eastern and went ahead and, um, uh, again, in that volunteer role at Eastern, became familiar with the institution. I retired from the Carl Organization in 2006, officially, ended up going back for a brief period of time to help them with some transitional things. Then in 2008, EIU started a campaign, a capital campaign that lasted, it was scheduled to last five years, went four, we reached and exceeded our goal. Um, I was asked to come on part-time to help beef up the, the development mm -hmm. core to go out and help raise these dollars for this capital campaign that had a goal of $50 million. So that was part-time, started doing that in 2008, and I'm still here. Uh, the job <laughs> went from part-time about two or three years ago to uh, a full-time role, and I was happy to do that. Uh, um, and I'm still enjoying it thoroughly, and now I'm working back in the athletic arena, which is interesting, and, and I'm looking forward to the, the future here. Now, you touched on, on a couple different things there, and we'll, we'll go through some of these, and we'll, we'll try to break mm -hmm. them down piece by piece as we go through. So you moved back to the, to the Charleston area. You're kind of growing up here. I know you mentioned went to high school here. Yeah. People may or may not know this about you. You mentioned your wife briefly. Mm -hmm. You have ties back to Eastern and to Charleston High School, the fact that, that your wife is Merv Baker, longtime Charleston AD coach there. Yeah and yes. long-time yep. community person there known. Yeah. His daughter is your wife. And so you guys were very involved with, I know your name is not on a particular, but you were kind of one of the people, the driving force behind the Baker Warmouth Hall of Champions, which is kind of the Hall of Fame display in Lance. Yeah. Yeah. How important was that, even though it's not you, but it's really yeah. your family to kind of give back to Eastern? Very important. Um, and the opportunity presented itself at a time when um, I was helping Eastern raise money, and I knew that Merv Baker, and, and some people may recall this name, Walt Warmoth, uh, now Marty's, uh, mm -hmm. uh, across from the campus right there on the corner. What is that? That's uh, Fourth and Fourth Grant. and Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. And, and Walt and Merv Baker were very close friends, close as you can get. And there was an opportunity to help develop a, this Hall of Champions, the Baker Warmoth Hall of Champions, in part because the athletic director at that time, Barbara Burke, was really interested in getting something like that, that done. Now, you haven't mentioned, but I know you know that Ken Baker, mm -hmm. who is Merv Baker's son, yep. my wife's brother, my brother-in-law now, uh, was very interested in helping bring this about too. So uh, Ken and I and a handful of other people um, began to reach out to individuals that we knew would have some interest in supporting this development of the Hall of Champions 
and it went very well. We were very pleased with the, the, the results. Now, the other things were you, before you came over to work with athletics, and I kind of touched on that because you helped raise money for athletics just as you raised money in your in your previous role for the university. We'll talk about some of those programs you did there. But a recent project that you helped finish up at Eastern and we'll finally get to see here in about two weeks when we play football yeah. is yeah. the Schnorr Family Victory Suite. Yes. Schnorr Family, also a, a well-known Charleston family with, yes. with ties to Eastern, but I also know you, you know the, that family really well as well. Yes. yes. The Schnorr Family has been fantastic in supporting this effort to renovate the the victory suite um i don't know if folks all the folks listening would necessarily know what that is but over at o'brien uh, the stadium uh, where the press box is uh, there's there's a suite up there that the president hosts uh during football games and and for other events too occasionally um but i'm i approached uh jim schnorf one of the brothers the schnorf brothers um who was very receptive to the idea of helping to make this suite possible, the renovation of this suite possible. And Jim um, and I talked to a number of, of his family members. Uh, Marty Snorf, another brother included, is, has been a su significant supporter for this, this project as well as, as other family members. And my own family, uh, Libby and Ken and uh, other members of the family have also been supportive because they're related. They're, mm -hmm. The, the Snorfs and the Bakers are, are cousins. Okay. And as a result, uh, it was not really difficult to secure additional support through extended family and friends and so forth of, of the Snorfs. But, yeah, it's been wonderful to, to have Jim and, and the family, Jim and Marty and the family, make this, this renovation possible. And we're, we're almost at the finish line right now on that one. And then another project we'll touch on that you, that you had some involvement on from your work over at the foundation, the Office of Development, is that longtime partnership that Eastern has had with its community partners, First Mid mm -hmm. Bank and Trust in particular. I know you helped with yeah. the securing of their corporate gift to, yeah. to renovate yeah. Lance Arena and upgrade yeah. that. And uh, yeah. new video boards, new ribbon boards, unfortunately, very few fans have been able to come in and see them this year. So hopefully next year it will be a nice surprise when things hopefully get back right. to normal for athletics. Right. That was... I'm, I'm going to use a term that may not be the best, but that was an easy ask for me to go to Joe Dively, who's the CEO and, and uh, chairman of the board for First Mid uh, Bank and Trust. And I, I've gotten to know Joe over, over the years, and, and I knew of, of Mid, First Mid's interest and passion for supporting Eastern. Joe is a graduate himself, and uh, among many others that are employed at, at First Mid. And when we sat down, it's been, what, a couple, couple of years ago now when we first started talking about this possibility of, of a major uh, gift in support of securing the video boards and doing some other odds and ends, sound system and so forth in, in Lance Arena, uh, Joe was immediately interested. Uh, he wanted to, to make sure that you know, this was all being done for the right reasons, and it wasn't just because of him being an EIU alum and, and fan and so forth. And he worked with his board, and uh, ultimately we secured uh, a, a gift that made it all possible to, to put in these new video boards in the sound system. And so we are grateful to First Mid and, and Joe Dively and his team, for his board, for making this possible. So kind of an underlying theme we've hit here, relationships, relationship building, mm -hmm. community involvement. I know you're involved 
on several different community boards as well. But I want to talk a little bit about the community and how it's given back to Eastern in your role over there at the foundation mm -hmm. and office of development, mm -hmm. not so much in athletics. We highlighted those, sure. but I know some of your, your other highlights do with yeah. the university as a whole, just sure. recently a, a Lumpkin family gift to help a school of nursing. And then yeah. the ambassador program, which is something yeah. you kind of yeah. help spearhead yeah. to get local business behind driving the yeah. enrollment here at EIU. Well, let me respond first by saying that the community of Charleston and surrounding community, frankly. I consider Eastern Illinois University to be the heartbeat of, of the community as a whole. I mean, it's, it's perfectly clear, although, you know, the community and the, the university relationship, I mean, it's unique, and it has its ups and downs, yep. of course, just like all relationships do. But I can tell you this, there's not a single person that I've spoken with or, or business, uh, representatives from various local businesses that don't know and don't believe what I just said, that Eastern Illinois is, is the heartbeat of, of our community. And with that in mind, um, President Glassman uh, and, and, and I ultimately and a number of local business people, including Gary Swearingen, who was Wells Fargo advisors at the time, uh, now, they made this initially happen. The conversation started w with, with Gary. And so I, I spent hours and hours with Gary making calls to individual businesses and individuals uh, themselves to help create and support what we call the Community Ambassador Scholarship Program. And it's raised about a just about a quarter of a million dollars over the last, what, two, three, going on three years now to support the recruitment of local area high school students to come to EIU, to enroll at EIU. We've awarded about 120 $2,000 scholarships okay. to, to come to Eastern Illinois University to students within roughly a 60 to 70 mile radius. There'd been a period of time when our foothold, if you will, in our own area uh, to, to bring students into the university to get their degrees, study and get their degrees, had slipped. So this scholarship fund, uh, thank, thanks to Gary Swearingen and his effort, uh, has been a real boost to helping enrollment at, at Eastern Illinois University. Now, the other one that I, that I wanted to touch on there is when you talk about giving back is the Lumpkin family. I know they that name is synonymous yeah, yeah. in the community with they started Consolidated Communications and several other things mm -hmm. there. You helped had them, you worked with yeah. them to, to start yeah. up here a, a school of nursing, which is, which is a big growing area in terms of academic growth at universities across the country. Yeah, yeah. The, the Lumpkin family has without doubt been so pivotal in, in many of the uh, enterprises, charitable enterprises, not-for-profit enterprises, including Eastern Illinois University as, as an educational institution, uh, to grow and prosper. And the School of Nursing, uh, it's, it's here because of a major grant that came from the Lumpkin family. Uh, Gail and Richard Lumpkin uh, School of Nursing is, is the formal name. And that took a period of time to, to develop, too. Uh, President Glassman uh, had a, a really strong relationship with, with the family, and 
again, working with the president and with members of the family, with uh, Steve Grissom, who is the Lumpkin Family Foundation. Um, I don't have his exact title, but he, he is a, uh, a lead person in helping that foundation prosper and grow and, and decide where they want their monies yeah. to go. And I work with Steve pretty extensively uh, in this process. And without their generosity, uh, the School of Nursing it wouldn't be here right now. Now, as a result of that, it's interesting how lead gifts like that help others to say, okay, to themselves, other businesses and other individuals, wow, they're supporting this program. This must be something really special. And so as a result, we've been able to secure other gifts as well, significant gifts uh, that some are still in the works to help make the School of Nursing something that will not only be here today, but be here a long time and will will generate um, graduations of, of nurses who will, again, hopefully stay in the area. There's there's a tremendous shortage of, of nurses in the healthcare field right now. So we're, again, Eastern is playing a pivotal role in providing support for the community so the community can prosper and grow too. Now, I touched on some of those bases, but now I'm going to kind of circle back to your, your time here in athletics. Hired officially as the interim director of, right. of development, right. and part of that is that there's some human resources type things in yeah. terms of moving from one yeah. internal position to another. And so we'll, yeah. we'll use the, yeah. the, the formal title that you have Thank there, you. but, yeah. but, uh, but I know important. you're in, in that position there, Mike, yeah. and kind of really getting your feet wet in how the day-to-day works in that position. I know you've set in on our, our senior staff meetings for a number of years now, so have an, an yeah. overall view of athletics, but yeah. what, what maybe has been eye-opening uh, getting yeah. into the nitty-gritty day-to-day yeah. here for the first time? Well, it's been, what, eight days yeah. officially <laughs> uh, from February 1st to eight working days, and I can say this without hesitation that the challenges before the intercollegiate athletic program are nothing short of monumental. And I mean that in a positive way, because I think the team that Tom Michael has assembled and you're part of, Rich, uh, has given heart and soul to making the intercollegiate athletic program successful. At the same time, look at what's happening across the board right now, not, not just because of COVID, which has caused all kinds of disruption mm-hmm. to to competition in intercollegiate athletics. In fact, you know, I'm stating the obvious here, but all of our fall sports are now going to be competing in the spring. Yes. And as a result, uh, and excuse this terminology, but it's become almost a fire drill to, to try to deal with all the various components of what's happening now for 20 intercollegiate yep. sports. Yes. And so at one point in time this year, we'll have all of them going at the exact same time. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just mind-boggling. I mean, having been in private business and and other areas where I've had management responsibilities, this is close to overwhelming. I mean, it really is. And it's it's a little bit like this. You're trying to put the pieces of this jigsaw puzzle together. And what's happening is the shape of the pieces is actually changing as you're working on doing this. I mean, you might have an event, uh, whether it's whatever sport it might be, that's scheduled to happen on Saturday and on Friday you learn, whoa, looks like we're not going to be able to compete because of somebody tested positive COVID, whether it's the other team or, or yeah. whomever. So it, it's extremely challenging. And the world that I came from, um, 
to coming to interplegiate athletics in, in this role now today was far less, and again, excuse the term, far less chaotic, frankly. Um, it, it was, it was a, um, an enterprise where I could predict pretty much from day to day, week to week, month to month, what I was going to be doing, where I was going to be, who I was going to be seeing, and so forth. And now, uh, as, as part of the senior management staff, I'm getting this view of the entire operation. And it's, it's a challenge. It really is. And so the support that I hope I'm able to help generate, uh, both financially and, and otherwise, uh, is going to be really important for us over the long term. Now, appreciate that on that explanation and yeah. kind of a, almost an outsider's view. I know you've been part of it, but that but relatively right. new joining the right. staff there. So that that's an interesting take on that. We're, yeah. We've been deep in it, so it's hard sometimes yeah. to, to view it yeah. the way you yeah. did there. Not to put you on the spot here, but I mean, as you just talked about wanting to be able to raise funds, mm-hmm. want to mm-hmm. be able to, to, to kind of meet with people. I know there's some mm-hmm. challenges that with that with COVID right now. Right. Have you kind of laid out a a rough timeline of, mm-hmm. of things you personally yeah. would like to, to accomplish. Not necessarily, I don't want to say goals, but just maybe sure. I, ideas or concepts over, you know, let's say the next three months, six yeah. months, yeah. a year. Well, let, let me initially answer that question by saying that right now I'm, I'm still transitioning, mm-hmm. and I see that as being the case for probably a period of, uh, it might be a couple months. Yeah. Uh, because the, the work that I've done in my role as a development director for the institution as a whole, over what I've been doing this, I'm in my 13th year now, and I've developed relationships with, with people, and that's what this is yeah. all about. It's all about relationship building. There's no question about that And when it comes to raising major gifts for, for the institution, for athletics, or whatever academic department it might be. And... I, I and Tom Michael uh, and and Ken Westein, who's the vice president for advancement that I have reported to previously, understand that I can't just let those yeah. relationships <laughs> drop. I mean, it's going to take me a period of time to fully transition and make sure that the people and the businesses that I've worked with previously over the last decade plus are not just kind of left out in the cold and suddenly I'm not there and working. With, I've got projects that are are underway now uh scholarship uh fund fundraising endowments being created and so forth that i I really need to continue to tend to and and again the individuals that i i report to are comfortable with that and they know now so i guess the, the short answer to your question is i haven't done a lot of uh, detailed planning relative to, okay, here's where I'd like to see us in six months, in a yeah. year, and so forth. I'm I'm getting to know the coaching staff. When I was in my previous role, I worked with department chairs for the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences, uh, and prior to that time, the College of Sciences, and to a certain extent with other colleges here mm-hmm. at the university. And I got to know the department chairs because it became clear to me that they were key links for me in connecting with prospective donors because those donors may have been students of yeah. Professor Jones or, or whomever. Yes. And as a result, I look at what I'm going to be doing in intercollegiate athletics in a similar way. The coaches 
are the ones who probably have the connections with the, the folks that we're going to be, that I'm going to be yeah. working with, and Tom Michael, and maybe yourself, Rich, to some extent, to help identify who, who we would like to secure assistance from, financial assistance. So I need to get to know the coaches, and I'll be spending the next several weeks uh, in just getting acquainted with them, meeting with them. Some of them I do know yeah. uh, reasonably well already, but some I've never even met. So there's a process here that has to take place. And the game plan that, that I will lay out for, uh, and Tom, Michael, and I will lay out for fundraising and major gift, I want to emphasize that my role as a development director has been to secure major gifts. At Eastern Illinois University, that's typically a $10,000 and up type gift. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in making sure that those annual gifts uh, like panther club gifts and and memberships and so forth come in but i really need at over time to develop uh, a, a team here where i can spend the bulk of my time working with people who have who have the affinity for the institution and have the wealth capacity to actually make a major gift if you will very good well, Mike, I do appreciate your time today. Thank you for joining us. It's good that people get a little bit of insight, we'll say, behind the curtain of the new guy that, yeah. that's going to be giving them a call and, and asking them for, for their time and other yeah. possible resources to, to donate back to a place that yeah. hopefully a lot of them had a great affinity for. Yes, indeed. Thanks, Rich. It's been great to visit with you today, and I look forward to connecting with all those folks out there who may be listening to this podcast. All right. Perfect. Thank you.